I am the law. Welcome to episode 29 of the Thrash Report. This is your weekly music commentary podcast where we discuss all things metal and heavy music. I'm Chris, and joining me, my partner in crime, co-host Jim Osborne. Hey Jim, what's going on, man? Quote, Stone Sour is just Slipknot for people who don't want to wear masks. End quote. <laughs> uh, I have said that joke on a previous episode, I don't know, one of our first five or ten, and I gave credit to the man, and that man today is our guest. Ooh. His name, Natanic Peeler. Hey, what's going on? Hey, man, Pleasure what's going much, on? Uh, <laughs> Pleasure to have you uh have you have me on the show man i mean your guys uh yeah i've been wanting to do this for a while uh listened to the robert carlson episode loved it heard some other ones love them so if you want to talk about metal i'm your man and especially terrible jokes nice. also your man <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome well thank you so much for coming yeah. on yeah no we problem. appreciate it and i wanted to tell the story of how i got to know you and how i got on your radar and that yep. was Back a couple years, yeah, I guess whenever it was, I was trying to build a metal community and just reaching out to metalheads I see here and there and just whether it's online or in person. And we have a mutual friend, Mr. Yaran Gonzalez, Conan from Ex Mortis. And I was on his page one day and I saw some text that said, yo, man, can't wait to see you in Minneapolis. Like, hey, I'm going to that show. So I looked and the name was Natanic. I'm like, oh, well, that's clever. <laughs> <laughs> so I checked out some of your stuff and saw that you like to make jokes, puns, memes. And I thought, all right, I'll follow this guy. And then uh, I just kept responding to you with my wit and the rest is his story. Yeah. We're with friends now. <laughs> yeah, we, we hit it off really well. I remember that show very specifically. <laughs> Uh, that was Lee's Liquor Lounge, right? Correct. Okay, yeah, because uh, that's the part that's blurry is the venue. But I remember there, uh, that was back in my drinking days as well. Uh, and you're like, hey, I have a friend on Facebook. And I'm like, cool, man. And you're like, I love exports. I'm like, I do too. And we, you brought up Brutal. I'm like, oh, shit, you do know who I am. So uh, then we kind of talked for a bit. And then metal was playing, so it was really hard for me to focus because when exports yep. is on stage, uh, it's it's hard for me to concentrate because I gotta just go right up there and just witness the madness up front. Yep, I understand. I was up there too, not next right next to you, but and every time they're on, I'm right there. Fantastic band. Ben, I miss that venue too. That was a great great venue. But yeah, that was yeah. A, a, really, a really cool chance to uh, actually get out and meet the people on Facebook that you see their posts and you know you. You comment on their post, you have some back and forth, but meeting people in person is really cool, especially when you actually hit it off and, you know, it's, there's not that awkwardness and, like, yeah. oh, this is creepy. <laughs> like, you didn't want to wear I think that's how I, no. <laughs> I think that's how I started, like, hey, this is going to sound weird, but uh, I stalked you on Facebook. and. <laughs> Yep. Like, no, yep. dude, that's cool. No problem. <laughs> that's what it's there. It's public page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but we yeah. got some cool stuff to talk about. And uh, we got 
Chris here, I know, has a hot topic that I think will please a lot of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jim. So one of the one of the things yeah. that, that I want to uh, talk about is save our stages. Um, we have talked about this in the past. Basically, uh, the the National Independent Venue Association that was put together shortly after the pandemic uh, started um, it includes a lot of independent venues, you know, like First Avenue, for example, basically trying to uh, tell our, our legislators to um, basically allocate funds and relief to some of these small independent venues. And they want to thank all everyone that had contributed to the uh, Save Our Stages, that had uh, posted hashtags with Save Our Stages, and contacted your Congress people. Um, all th 535 Congress people heard from um, the con constituents through SaveOurStages.com. And the cool That's thing awesome. is they received 2.1 emails to their elected officials expressing support for the Save Our Stages Act. And the act passed as a part of the current COVID-19 relief bill. This is awesome. awesome news. Awesome news. So For sure. This uh, Save Our Stages stimulus deal, it includes $15 billion that is allocated to uh, rescue things like um, music venues, independent music venues, movie theaters, cultural institutions, and that type of thing. So it's, it's really great that some of these venues that, you know, really have shuttered ever since March and, you know, with no live acts for now 10 months, <laughs> it's been, yeah. uh, it's been crazy. And, and we're really wondering what the fate is. Some of these venues may close up for good. So what's next? The, one of the things is, though, this is just the first part. So, um, basically 15 billion of that, um, COVID-19 bill is going to be allocated to this save our stages act, but that's just part of it because the, the larger restart act is, another package that is likely to be addressed next year. And so that'll help, uh, again, some of those other venues as we go past 2020 and into the, the following months here. So I think it's a, it's a great win for, for those venues that, again, all of us, I mean, here on the, on the podcast, we would go to those venues often. And yeah. uh, it's really great that we got the support of, of Congress to, to help those people out. So I just wanted to toss it out there. Thanks, thanks all the listeners that supported Save Our Stages. We really do appreciate it. And the thing I'd kind of like yeah. to ask is it's it's tough for those venues to stay open even before this. I mean, we've seen venues shut down numerous times before this whole COVID thing happened, the lack of tours and stuff like that. So it's cool they're actually trying to do something to keep that the arts going. Because yep. uh, I'm a huge advocator for um, music and arts, live playing, all that stuff. So mm -hmm. that's, it's, that's really nice to hear. Yep, absolutely. I hope it gets all the way down to... You know, the real small venues, not just the bigger places. I hope it gets all the way down to everyone who needs it, especially the smaller ones that really do. Yep. Yeah. Anyone. So, yeah. So they can actually um, applicants for this relief. They they have to have lost at least 25 percent of their annual revenue to qualify. Mm -hmm. And those that have lost more than 90 percent of the revenue can actually apply within the first two weeks. Um, okay, the first cool. two weeks after the, the bill was was signed into law. So, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty good. I mean, I, <laughs> I like it that that it is really earmarked for those independent venues and, you know, those publicly traded orgs, those big boys, 
they don't qualify. <laughs> Good. All time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's keep it going. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait to, you know, we've talked about this in other podcasts. I, I really can't wait for things to open up. You know, I'm going to be going to a lot of shows. So we need these uh, these venues to stay open. I was lucky enough to have my last concert before COVID be uh, seeing King Diamond. And then getting to meet King Diamond. So I, I, oh, that's awesome. I, you know, <laughs> Very cool. Literally. Yep, and I've said it here before, too. The last show I saw was Agony Reigns and Witch Den and Gorgatron down in Mankato. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Based on a lot of your post Natanic, I'm wondering if you're waiting to make the joke like how many drink tickets 15 billion will make <laughs> to go to the bands. That actually just equals up to uh, about 10 exposure points and one and a half drink tickets. <laughs> No, no. Keep in nice. mind. Keep in mind. This is uh, goes to cover. You know, from the from the SBA, the Small Business Administration, to cover six months of payroll and costs, including like rent and utilities and maintenance, yeah. not drink tickets. But I like where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I gotta fight for the little guy. That's right. Yeah. All right. Speaking of little guy, how old? And how little of a guy were you when you got into metal? This is something we love to ask all our guests is how they got into metal. Actually, I love this story. Uh, So uh, I was stumbling across some pictures the other day. Uh, There's a picture of me when I was five, like a plastic guitar that had a microphone. So, you know, you'd sing into it, sing into it, and it would, you know, create this distorted noise. Well, I'd take it and I'd make it feedback. So I was like, okay, there's step one. (laughs) And then when I was seven, I remember vividly watching MTV and hearing Def Leppard's Pour Some Sugar on me and just fell in love with that song. And that same year, my dad bought me an acoustic guitar. And so pretty much how this goes is uh, I was doing lessons twice a week. And within like a year, uh, I was out learning my teacher. (laughs) Uh, so they put me into private lessons, and then it just nice. kept on going there and there. Uh, guitar-wise, uh, just kept on getting better and better. Well, better. <laughs> but uh, as the music went, it was Def Leppard. Def Leppard turned into Metallica, or Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses turned into Metallica. Metallica turned into Deicide, into Cannibal Corpse, Morbid Angel, Impaled Nazarene. Just got heavier and heavier. But I always always look back at my roots like, like Def Leppard, and that Hysteria album changed my life. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a cool story. You know? That's awesome. Very cool. <laughs> I will admit, I think I was, it was seventh grade, I think, where my entire locker was Def Leppard, you know, nice. <laughs> inside. Uh, yeah, that, you know, I was, I was into, you know, Pyromania. I had that cassette. And then when Hysteria came out, it, uh, yeah, I was into it, man. It was, yep. See, like my girlfriend, she's eight years older than me. So the two oh. things we disagree on the most are, what's the best Def Leppard album and what's the best Motley Crue album. Me being right all the time. <laughs> Very so, cool. I, mean, I like the more produced rock and roll sounds. Uh, I don't know. That's just me. But like those two albums and those two bands really kind of paved the way for me getting into the extreme Christ hating metal. I love so much right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's yeah, awesome. it's hard to get away from the stuff that got you into it, like Metallica's Black album. I know we've talked about it here, and Natanic, me and you have talked about it before. Just yeah, it may not be as heavy as the first four they did, but I mean, that got me into it. I can't look bad on that thing. I, I mean, some great riffs on there. The thing is, like that came out when it, in '91, so I was 11 when I first heard that album. And you're not going to tell me like that album isn't heavy to an 11 year old. <laughs> Right. It, it's it's sad but true that that song's just earth shaking. Yeah, it's not Ride the Lightning, but if you showed me Ride the Lightning or Kill 'Em All when I was eleven, I probably wouldn't have had the patience for it. Uh, I'm glad it kind of worked out the way it did. So yet again, one of those albums that holds mm-hmm. close to my heart because it just led me on this path of fucking destruction. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I got to see him on that tour as well, uh, and it was eighteen dollars for a ticket back then. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The old days. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Was that in the Twin Cities? Uh, that was at the Bison Sports Arena before we had the Fargo Dome here. Okay. Yep. That's a little Fargo history for you. It was where they had like stupid sports stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sports guy. That was uh, that was yeah. a show when I saw them uh, saw them here in Minneapolis. Um, it was you know an, an evening with Metallica. There was no no opening act, and I think that <laughs> we we had to get tickets. They did. Um, I don't, know if, I don't know if anyone remembers Great American Music, like the the store, the the record store. Nope, no. That's where, like, you had to go there, wait in line at like five in the morning, and then it was like a lottery too. So you had to get there early enough to get a lottery number, and hopefully they picked your number. And I re- I just remember waiting, like it was cold, we we're freezing, and you know all these metalheads in the dark waiting for Great American Music music to open so we could get our tickets. <laughs> Yeah, we had like that in Mankato. Same I day. remember doing the uh, the lottery stuff, but that first show was uh, General Mission here in Fargo, so it didn't matter if you were oh. first as long as you got your ticket. Wow. Nice. Still days waiting in line for that stuff. Yeah, so you mentioned that you outlearned your teacher, and then you went on to have other teachers and became a teacher yourself. Yep. Um, so Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um. When I started taking lessons when I was seven, I was in Catholic school as well. I was in Catholic school until I was 12. So I just learning basic chords and stuff, it just made sense to me. So like I said, they brought me into private teachers after that and started out with some great rock and roll teachers. And here's a here's kind of a funny story. When I was 13 or 14 years old, my dad uh, worked at the head of security at, uh, at a college here. And one of his RAs knew of this guitar teacher, Steve Stein who I had never heard of at the time. And so he's like, hey, I want to pick up your son from school and, you know, go have him meet Steve. And this is back in 1993. So my dad's like, oh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> so yeah. Leaving school and some strangers in a car, like, hey, get in. I'm like, cool. <laughs> hey, kid, get in my van. I'll give you some candy. Okay. And yeah. He didn't uh, have candy. He had guitars, though. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he brought me to the man who... uh from that day, because uh, I took lessons from him for, from, for seven years, so 1993 to almost 2000, and we did about two hours a week just hashing over uh, everything that I needed to know. And what's cool about Steve, he doesn't teach uh, face-to-face anymore, but I took his, his teaching style of just how to calmly teach young kids, because it, it can be frustrating at times, not going to lie. But you just calmly go at it and you just try to find the best the best route to get these kids to learn. 
because right now my youngest student is five and my oldest is like 30. So it's a wide uh, variety of, of students I have, but it's all about just how you interact with these, these different people with the different age groups. And he taught me everything I needed to know about what that, which is kind of one of the best tools you could have, you know? That's awesome. I think your five-year-old student, you just put a picture of that person up on Facebook last week. And yeah. I know it's a metal show, but that was freaking cute. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> He had little, uh, little fake tattoos, and we were talking tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of the whole guitar story of teaching and everything. Yeah. Cool. So you're still doing, yeah. you're still you're still, still teaching today. I mean, are, are you still taking on uh, uh, students, or are you are you booked up? Uh, I, I opened up another day. Uh, it's with everything going on right now, with people getting their hours cut, one day you'll have a full roster of students and then the next week five of them can't afford it so and you know i'd rather them keep coming and just kind of work out a payment plan but i understand how some people don't like doing that but i, I teach thursdays saturdays and sundays and i have about 12 students right now my goal is to awesome. uh, get 20 so i'm okay. almost there but yeah like i said during this covid thing it's uh it's been tough for all aspects of the music industry, even teaching, like I said, because, you know, I understand like a parent can't justify spending an extra hundred bucks a month on lessons when their hours got cut in half. When, sure. Because I personally know how that works. So, yep. And like I said, when I came across your name on Conan's site and I started doing a little research on you, I Googled you and the first thing that came up was make a riff. Yes. So I read about that and would you talk about that a little bit? Because this is. Something I think is just really cool. So Make a Riff became a an idea back in about 2014 and it finally came to light in about 2015 where I wanted to get don it started off just any kind of donation, but the first run of it was if I can get monetary donations and buy buy nice gear, a nice new amp, a nice uh, beginner guitar, case, chords, everything you need to start. And then I'd buy the kids three months of lessons from a, a different teacher. And in the beginning, we had we had 10 kids that we started with that. And then just, it became a full-time job. Uh, you know, I literally have a full-time job and then band stuff and then that. And I kind of had to put it on the back burner. But then like about a year ago, I tried to start it up again. And I was doing just any kind of donation. Any If you have gear. I'll take it, you know, I'll, I'll fix it up and get it to the kids. And then two more kids, we got started. But then with COVID hitting, some people don't really want to bring their kids to a stranger's house to hand them gear during this pandemic. Sure. Yet again, totally understand. But so right now, 12 kids have been gifted guitars, amps, and lessons from Make a Riff. And when all this stuff blows over a little bit and when life goes back to normal, I really want to get back into it because it's it's a great passion project. Music education saved my life. Uh, playing guitar saved my life. It's uh, a common language between across the world. I mean, I have friends in Portugal. I have friends in Germany. You know, who we who we discuss music with. That's the thing that we like to talk about. You know, catch up and see how each other are doing. But it all comes down mm -hmm. to music. It's, it's it's a family. So it's kind of cool to start these kids off and give them that chance because a lot of these kids don't have a chance to do that. 
So, because yeah, it's expensive to get into this stuff, you know, it's not cheap. It's awesome. Very yeah, cool. That's, that's an awesome thing. So thanks for doing that. That's really cool. Thank you. Like I said, I hope to get it off, off the ground again here soon once life gets back to normal. Yeah. All right. So you started playing guitar so long ago. What age were you in your first band? And if you wouldn't mind, maybe just talking about some of the projects you've done or okay. things you've been in. So I started my first band when I was about 12. And we just played in our buddy's basement doing, uh, funny enough, uh, one of our covers that we did was Three Little Pigs from Green Jello. <laughs> and a couple other songs <laughs> off that album. And we tried writing songs, but they were just horrible. Never saw the light of day, thankfully. <laughs> and after that, I kind of went off and took music more serious, started getting into theory. Like I said, I was doing lessons twice a week, like boning up on all that stuff. So that was when I was 12. When I was 15, I joined my first legitimate band, which was, funny enough, like a, a Black Sabbath doom sludge band <laughs> uh, all originals we opened up for cold chambers stuck mojo cool uh we, awesome. we play shows in front of 400 people we play shows in front of 1500 people we play shows in front of 10 people wow but there was all all original music it's cool so um after that i kind of took a break but then i got into the the cover band aspect and just did like bar gigs playing like iron maiden songs and stuff like that mm -hmm. um left that around the age of 30 and then focused on on uh original music again with a, a couple projects when i was in my 20s as well original projects it, it, it's kind of hard to keep them all together because it's been so much stuff but as of right now the the ones i have going still are winter goat and a newer project i have called closed casket crew uh the defunct projects now brutaler wwjd uh things i'm super proud of but just won't ever see the light of day again because just their, their time was up so that sounds like you made it busy yeah that's very cool yeah. <laughs> super busy yeah and now you kind of shifted from making music to talking music you just started something a few weeks ago called seen but not heard on youtube yep so, uh it's yeah. kind of one of those projects uh, you guys understand it um just getting people to discover bands they may not have heard before and hear from the the mouths of some of these people who are out there who've been out there touring the world like what their experiences are what their experiences are writing music all this kind of cool stuff uh so far we've had michael leon from phil and the illegals and flesh order i had uh jeremy miranda from entombed ad and crow uh this week will be uh conan from ex mortis i've got a couple other lined up i can't yeah <laughs> nice I got a couple other I can't, sure, man. I can't really say right now because I want to, but uh, let's just say there's yep. a couple that I'm really, really excited about. I mean, I'm excited for all of them, but uh, I fanboy over certain bands. So. <laughs> of course. You know, you... I can't wait until you have David Lee Roth on and ask him what era Van Halen he likes better. <laughs> what side did you take in the big David Lee Roth Van Halen split? What do you mean? What kind of question is that? What side did you take, Halen or Roth? Van Halen. He's a cop. You mean so I can finally tell him why Sammy Hagar is better? Oh! <laughs> That'd be uh, the first thing. Nice. <laughs> Sammy Hagar is better. John Bush is better. And Anthrax. Whoa. Those are hills I will die on. You want to fight? There he is, right there. 
You want to fight? Swing. Come on, fighter. You want somebody small? Come on, fighter. Oh! I knew, I knew John Bush would come up. That's why I'm wearing his hat. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Oh, you hear that? We told. Sound of white noise. Yeah. No, those are, and a lot of people. It's with that too. It's the era of music that I was raised on. Uh, my first Anthrax album I ever heard was Sound of White Noise. The first Van Halen album I ever heard was From Awful Carnal Knowledge. So, yet again, I heard the good stuff first and then kind of was forced to hear the, the mediocre versions. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. So I watched your, or I've seen both of your episodes, and I was amazed. And the first one, Mike DeLeon. Mm-hmm. Like just watching him, I, I've obviously I've heard of Phil H, Philip H and Solomon Illegals, but I had not heard of Mike. But is he not just like the nicest dude? Oh, he. <clears throat> it's cool about him because he reached out to me when I brought up the idea of starting this whole cool. thing. He was the first one to be like, "Hey, man, I'd love to be on your show." And we have a, a mutual friend, Jesse from Incinerate and Septicemic mm -hmm. from Minneapolis. There, um, so like those two know each other very well. And that kind of sparked the friendship between me and Mike. When um, Slayer and uh, Phil and the Illegals came through town on that tour, Jesse and a bunch of other people and Bobby Icon himself showed up here. <laughs> and uh, they ended up going to, to like party with, with Mike and the boys. My dumb ass got drunk and wandered off. <laughs> I think I ended up like getting sent home. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even get to see Slayer. So. But uh, no, Mike was super cool. We we could have talked for like another two hours, but I had to kind of cut it short to keep that time limit. Yeah, he just a super nice guy and full of stories, full of great stories. Yeah, I mean, just seeing him, just the way he talked and the, like his body motion and stuff. I mean, just oozed niceness. I mean, I just couldn't help but just kind of mesmerized by the guy. He's just <laughs> seemed like the nicest dude. How many people in this industry, uh, especially like the ones that are from the underground, 99% uh, of them are down to earth, straight up cool guys. Uh, people get a, a bad rap for playing in a band called Flesh Hoarder or Why Won't yeah. Jesus Die. Yeah. And they just yeah. horrible people. Oh, I like that hat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, when it comes down to it, we're all just normal dudes that like extreme metal or of some sort or the other. Just because we write songs that are super fucking gory and offensive to some doesn't mean we're terrible people. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know. Even even when I was in, uh, I think I was in high school, I think, and I remember like one of the guys that you know would be at my lunch table or something. You know, he'd always he'd always rip on us, you know, with our our leather and our hair, and was like he would mock the music about us wanting to go to hell and eat babies and stuff. And I'm like. <laughs> Dude, like you don't, yep. you don't, you don't even understand, man. I was babies in do not taste good. <laughs> <laughs> I got that my whole life, um, and when Columbine happened, I was still in high school. So of course, oh, we wow. were kind of targeted during that. People, I mean, everyone knew better, but you know, everyone kind of has that. Oh, are you sure they're not going to pull the same stuff? It's like I don't fucking like talking to you as <laughs> yeah at all. I, mean, I keep my distance from people. I don't it, like. It was. And it's uh, not saying I don't like them. But well, and th and that no. was the thing too is is you know me and my buddies. I mean we 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 had trench coats, 
like we would Mm -hmm. you know but still it's like that was the furthest thing ever from anything you know what i mean like you you can't generalize all of us metal bangers by just one incident you know and that's the thing and the way they were trying to blame like marilyn manson and stuff like that number one not even a marilyn manson fan (laughs) i mean back in the day it kind of was it is what it is but music doesn't cause people to do violent acts people getting pushed to the edge does and that kind of brings a real important aspect of checking up on people and their mental health of making sure you know the quiet kid maybe he's quiet because he just doesn't really want to talk to anyone or maybe he's just being pushed to that point it's good to go out and, you know, check on your friends. I mean, check on the people around you. Everyone always says, oh, you know, I'd, I'll always, like, watch out for people, and I'd never let that happen, but half these people could give a shit less if, you know, you're dying in a gutter. So, I mean, actions are louder than words when it comes to this stuff, especially, yep. you know. But, you know, we got through high school just fine. Obviously, no incidents, but it always kind of stuck with me of during that incident how – for just even a brief period, we were looked at differently, yep. you know, even though we're the same dudes that <laughs> yep. didn't bother no one. Yep. That's what I was thinking about a lot when I was watching Mike is like people that think metalheads are awful people or, you know, worship Satan, all that stuff. Like listen to this guy talk. <laughs> I mean, Change we could, mind. we could go off on actual Satanism versus worshiping a devil for hours, but I won't put you guys through that because I've had that conversation many times this week. (laughs) But no, I get get what you're saying. Uh, Yeah, I have a giant inverted cross in my living room that lights up. And some people are like, oh, my, that's that's offensive. I'm like, all it means is that I think for myself. <laughs> and that's as far <laughs> as I was looking at that. But if people look in to, to take the time to get to know a person, get to know their beliefs a little bit, we'd all be better people for it. Yep. Just for like sure. with music, you know? Right? There you <laughs> go. <laughs> that's kind of backwards. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, kind of a pun or a meme, Photoshopping. That's kind of another thing you're into. I don't know where that came from. Just part of my brain trying to pass the time when I've got nothing better to do. Like when I was talking yeah. to you uh, right before this show, I was like, oh, I should make another ridiculous meme with me, Robert, and Jesse. So I tracked out a picture <laughs> of the Home Alone scene and put all our faces on there and posted it to yeah. Facebook just to kill some time. I literally don't know. I don't pre-plan this stuff. It's just inspiration of the most ridiculous things that just pop into my head and I put it into a uh, a picturesque form because yeah. some, you know, it's just, <laughs> I, I wish I could tell you. That's awesome. Yeah. It happens to me a lot when I'm bored, if I'm just sitting there not really thinking about something and then two th- random things come into my head and like, I can mash that shit together. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. It's, it's the puns you come up with, like uh, the Maury Taylor today. I woke up. That was the first thing I thought because <laughs> that was on TV. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can share that, but it was a picture of Corey Taylor, but with Maury Povich's face. Yep. <laughs> Not proud of it, but it's, it's a thing. <laughs> it works. It works. Yeah, it's it's something. But no, that's yeah, just so. it's a it's a pastime. Yeah, and like everybody here knows that I like puns and have made some memes. But when I saw 
when we became friends and I saw that you were doing all this Photoshop stuff, I reached out and like, how do you do that? So you sent me the app and said, yeah, just here you go. And like the rest is history. So you can either thank Natanic or be very angry at him for all the Photoshop and shit that I do. <laughs> and the thing is, it's just with doing it, it's coming up with the most ridiculous ideas you can. And then having that steady finger to properly cut out the faces of everything. It's all, <laughs> yep. it's all time like a surgeon. <laughs> yeah. As, as yep, one, those... I was going to say, as one who used to make a living, like drawing Bezier curves in Photoshop. Yeah. <laughs> it can take, <laughs> you know, but. Uh... And then you get those ones that you use over and over that you don't have to cut out. They're just there. I have a, like that. What were you 12 when I, that picture I use of you all the time, the young Natanic. Yeah. <laughs> he popped up in the most awkward places. He's like, where's Waldo? But just the bigger idiot. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, haven't seen haven't seen young, young Tanik in a while. Where's he been? Oh, here he is. Yeah, he popped up in that uh, really explicit uh, Christmas photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one uh, when Robert Carlson was on. The, he was wearing that. Or that was the day or the day after that that shirt came out. It was the... <laughs> yep, sure. We talked about um, that episode. Geez. and yeah, we've been keeping uh, Jesse's wife Amy <laughs> busy with all these ridiculous ideas. So at least someone's, yeah. you know, profiting and getting some good use out of this. <laughs> yep. So why don't you share what shirt you're wearing right now? I got the old Cannibal Carlton. It's not unusual <laughs> to have a bud with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so it's great. a picture of Carlton from the Fresh Prince, but with Rob Carlson's Bobby face. Icon. <laughs> oh, Bobby that's so icon. great. <laughs> Love it. I'm so glad that that came to light because that changed my life. I'm like, oh, Bobby Icon. Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> Dude, I, and literally it just started as like, well, let's see. I need to type this intro. What should I say? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that like literally was made up, you know, just out of the blue. No, it's, it's yeah, fantastic. So, uh, yeah, check hashtag Bobby Icon. We got to make that a thing. And then you can right. all see what we're talking about. But it's, uh, there you go. In our show notes, in our show notes, when Rob Carlson was on, we called him an icon. And then uh, was it Greg Chilton, I think, took it and ran. Yep. And now he's known as Bobby Icon. <laughs> Shirts to prove it. And the cool thing about Mr. Bobby Icon is you pay close attention to certain episodes of Seen But Not Heard. He will pop up in the most random of places, either via video call, I don't know, maybe just a random picture of him wishing you well. Could be that too. I don't know. <laughs> Toasty! It's awesome. uh, Very nice. The thing about Robert is he's one of the greatest dudes you could ever get the chance to meet. And this is where I want to clear the air. Because he blatantly and boldly lied to your faces when oh. he was on this show. I can't lie! He said we'd only hung out once, but we hung out twice here in Fargo. And it was in the same month, Book Krog, and they played here in Fargo. And then like two weeks later, he came back up and he went and saw Slayer together. Ah. <laughs> See? Fake news. <laughs> but he's well, uh, To be fair, I mean... You just admitted a few minutes ago that you were wasted at that Slayer show, so maybe you're remembering double. <laughs> <laughs> no, he accused me of stealing his hat. <laughs> he called me the next day all hungover, and he's like, do you steal my Slayer hat? I'm like, I don't remember seeing you when I left, so. <laughs> <laughs> so let me check no, my pockets. Robert's a great dude. Uh, all those yep. dudes from Minneapolis. And, you know, uh, as much as I love 
making fun of the whole icon thing. That man has done a lot in the Minneapolis metal scene with all the bands. He's been, you know, glutton for punishment and Krog. And he's also doing like the septicemic. So he's, he's, you know, definitely had his irons in the fire out there for a while. And maybe I'm biased because I'm from Minnesota, but honestly, the Minneapolis metal scene is kind of nothing to fuck with. There's a lot of really good bands. Uh, awesome. If you ever get it, just explore and so much extreme metal, so much cool shit. Yeah. Just hours of entertainment. Yeah. It's a good time to bring up our previous guest, the band Hex Vortices. We've talked about their release precipice, but it came out between this episode and the last episode. And I've been listening to it over and over and it's, it rips, man. It's a good one. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Like I said, there's a ton of great, great bands out there. Love it. Here in so Fargo, Minneapolis, Mall and Gorgatron. Mall, Gorgatron, um, Brutaler when we were still going. I mean, I'll throw my yeah. hat in the, in the ring there. Demi Fiend, fantastic black metal band. Uh, Egypt for the, the stoner rock loving people. Uh, Phobophilic. Um, yeah, I think I've seen a lot of those names around. Yeah, and it's cool because you got like the young kids and you got the, the old timers like me all just throwing it out there for metal. Uh, mm-hmm. and it, it it spreads farther than just like Fargo and Minneapolis. I mean, you go to Topeka, Kansas, and you got like Unmerciful, or you go to uh, Wisconsin, and you got Macabre. Um, there's this dude um, out in out in Billings named Billy Zahn, who's just a phenomenal guitar player. He plays in like a band called Veramis, I believe. Um, he did some stuff with Frosthelm. Uh, a couple other. He's just uh, if you ever get a chance to check him out, look up Billy Zahn and watch his playing. Like the cool thing about this dude is like he's a huge Black Dahlia Murder fan. So like when they released their new album, within like five hours of that album being released, he recorded himself doing a playthrough video of the solos. <laughs> <laughs> he's just phenomenal. Nice. But there's so much talent. This is what I'm saying around like just even the Midwest here when it comes to metal and music. There's there's no shortage of it. It's badass. That's great. What was that band name you said of Billy? Verimus? Uh Verimus, I believe. And then um Ross Helm. A-M-I-S? I believe so. Yeah. I could be pronouncing it wrong. Yeah, it's like real like old school, like power metal kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Great metal scenes to the worst cook in America. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. How come so, that's not you? I, I apparently I'm too good. So a couple years back, I I never thought this would get as big as it did. But I took a picture of one of my chicken dinners and I don't use any seasoning. I just throw it in the oven until it stops bleeding and then I eat it. Well, I took a picture of it to put on uh, the Gorgatron food page cooking with Carl to be like, hey, Carl, here's what I'm eating today. And it just went viral <laughs> and so people would just message me like is that serious i'm like yeah and so i'd make it a couple other times be like yeah this is really what i eat well paul from gorgatron sent me the link of worst cooks in america and i was like well why not so i filled out the application and within like a day the producer calls they're like yeah we'd be interested in talking with you and we had a phone conversation they emailed me some more and, and then Went with someone else who's apparently worse than me. Oh, wow. There's no one worse than me. (laughs) (laughs) 
That I know. Awesome. I filled out that survey to back you up, but it's too bad. And, like the guy who makes bland chicken and has literally eaten a bratwurst he found on the ground in a gas station in Iowa while off tour. <laughs> Someone worse than me. Good luck. <laughs> Are you going to eat your tots? No. Can I have them? This fresh apple is overcooked. <laughs> Man, too spicy. <laughs> That's awesome. Gotta water down my milk. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. Um, one thing that I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious. Uh, what are some good things that you feel as though, you know, are underappreciated or you know, new releases that you think we should we should check out? I'm not really up to date on a lot of stuff that's been released in like the last few years per se. I'm kind of stuck in my ways, um, but. Um, the new Unmerciful Wrath and Compass, the new Incinerate, um, and then uh, the new Gorgatron, fantastic. But then also, just like I said, any any band from the Midwest here, Macabre, uh, stuff like that. Um, then my buddies out in out in Ohio, uh, Foul Spirits is a really good band. Uh, Nail Black is a really good band. Uh, my buddies out in LA against the grave. That's like good old, just straight up metal. There's a lot of really cool bands out there, but the stuff that I'm like listening to the most right now would be the new unmerciful. Um, I kind of went back and got into uh, Sammy Duay from acid bath and goat horse. One of his old projects, ritual killer. Uh, I really like the extreme kind of metal stuff yep. like that. Um, oh, or uh, Orpheus. Mm. Orpheus is another mm -hmm. great band that I just really uh, received their disc. Uh, Going to be featuring them on my show this week, actually. Cool. Just brutal stuff. Like for me, and it's they're, they're Nebraska from Nebraska, right? Yeah, I believe so. And then, so I mean, that's that, that that's great. That's awesome. And then you mentioned mm -hmm. um, sometimes you know it may not be current. So we often do a segment on the show called Back in the Day, where we look at kind of an older release. If, if I were to say pick a release from like. 20-ish years ago that kind of really made an impact, what, what would that be? So that'd be like, what, 99, 2000? Yeah. Oh, or older. Not that year. Huh. Like, when it comes to that time period, uh, I'm going to have to go probably late 90s, uh, like 98, 99, I believe, is when this came out, was uh, Phantomous Director's Cut. Hmm. It's hmm. Mike Patton's okay. project. Oh, uh, Interesting. Uh, Mike Patton, Dave Lombardo, yeah. uh, Trevor Dunn, and King Buzzo. And they did a whole album of, like, music scores, like, of, like, The Godfather, The Omen, stuff like that. That album is still in oh, everybody. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, very oh, it's, cool. It's insane. It's so good. Um, I remember I listened to that for, like, a year straight back when, you know, we had, like, the portable Walkmans. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it never left that thing. But in that time period, yeah, that'd probably be the album I'd say. Um, cool. Just phenomenal stuff. I'm, I'm on. Yeah, I'm unaware of that. That's awesome. I'm gonna look look it up. Yeah, I gotta check that out. I thought you were gonna demanufacture. Well, that's the early '90s. I mean, that's like what '94, '95. <laughs> Which, dude, I mean, if we if we go from like every year, uh, yeah, it's it's tough to choose, man. Yeah. But I will say yeah. the, the number one album of all time. Metallica's Ride the Lightning. 
Nothing will top it, ever. Okay. There's a different version and a remastered version that's better of Ride the Lightning that I haven't heard yet. <laughs> There's but a I green got... version. That one might be better then. <laughs> <laughs> it's harder to find. <laughs> yeah, valid. That, that album changed my life for the second I heard it. And yeah, nothing will ever top that album. I take that to my grade. That's awesome. Yeah, we were, ch- we were chatting the other day and I mentioned, I think, I forget how it came up, but I had mentioned that I got The Sound of White Noise and Ride the Lightning on the very same day when I was 14. Nice. And probably defined my 14-year-old year. <laughs> that was pretty much all I listened to and just, yeah, amazing. There was an ongoing joke between me and my buddies many years ago because they're huge Van Halen fans and I'm a huge Metallica fan. And I always said, if I ever win the lottery, I'm paying Van Halen to play Ride the Lightning front to back. Just to <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that would have been really cool. And rest in peace, Eddie. A true hero gone. For sure. Absolutely. For sure. But yeah, I mean, that's uh, for music-wise of stuff that newer or stuff I've been listening to and stuff. Yeah, there, that list is, is super long. But definitely check out Unmerciful. Check out Orpheus. Check out Ritual Killer. Check out Bob Macabre. Check out Glutton for Punishment, Krog. Just there you go. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. We want to make sure that that we uh, we give you time to kind of talk about how can people find what you're doing. Go ahead. I want you to go ahead and plug everything that, that you possibly can. So um, the easiest way to go about finding me is Facebook, just Natanic Peeler. Uh, that pretty much has links to everything I do, be it my YouTube uh Anything I post on Facebook will also end up on my Instagram. I'm not a really big Instagram guy. My friends had me get a TikTok, and I hate it. <laughs> what the heck is this new app called TikTok that everybody is talking about? Despise it. But um, for when it comes to like music stuff, band-related stuff, Facebook and my YouTube are like the two biggest ones. Okay. So just Natanic Peeler, and it, it's it's open to the public. Um, everything is able to be shared. I don't really post anything controversial unless you don't like memes of me robert and jesse as you know <laughs> kevin and the wet bandits from home alone awesome well and we'll have, we'll have links yeah we'll have links in the in the, the the details of the podcast and then also we'll add um add your uh youtube to our youtube playlist for this episode so make sure you guys check sure. it out yeah and i wanted to add that i know i've seen a few of your posts where you kind of open up about your mental health and we, me and you have discussed, you know, like what I've been through and yep. how I've felt at times. And I just wanted to thank you for being so open about your story, which is huge for helping other people either realize they have an issue or just helping them through an issue they already have. So, I mean, talking about it is the best you can do. So much and appreciation. Dude, I, I appreciate you, you know, saying that to me. And like for me, getting that out there, it's not for what's the word the kids use today it's not for clout it's not for likes it's mm-hmm. it, if you see my facebook you see how much i joke around and how much i like to make other people laugh and you rarely know that person is struggling with depression or addiction which i had mm-hmm. a huge issue with with both those things and when i finally realized and tackled those issue issues it's made it a lot easier to be vocal about it and let people know that Oh, this dude that, you know, loves flying V's pizza and ride the lightning. He sometimes, you know, cries himself to sleep or he admitted he has a problem with some stuff. You know, it's we're not too 
too metal for that. And you know, it's not like uh, like I said, it's not for likes and stuff like that. It's just a, to be honest with people and have them be honest with themselves about we're all our own person. We all have different feelings, we all have different likes, we all have different whatever. Be yourself, be happy, do what it takes to be happy. Sure. Don't try to impress other people. Be yourself. That's all it comes down to, man. I mean, you'll see me and Robert argue about guitars and Van Halen and Anthrax all day, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's just it's jokes. It's good fun. It's not like, oh, I'm going to change everything I can to go do this. It's we're our own people. We, we're open about that kind of stuff. Just, oh, you know, we can joke about this. Like, oh, Jackson's yeah. are shit. Oh, BC Richards are shit. Um, <laughs> but no, it's it's just what it comes down to is being yourself, being happy. You do whatever it takes to make yourself happy as long as it doesn't harm anyone else in that in that aspect. That's very, what I've learned. For sure. Very well said. Yep. Very, very well said. Absolutely. Thank you. We could probably have an entire episode on mental health and metal. And you know, we we did we did talk about that in us. a previous episode. It'd be great to get. We should find like an expert to, to kind of talk about the the psychology of of music and how it can help and heal and and be a coping mechanism for mental health and that type of thing. So it, it really can. Um, here, here's kind of a a thing that how mental health and music and friendship all comes together. I once traded a BC rich V for a desert Eagle gun, hmm. uh, fell into a huge depression, was going to use the gun on myself, sold the gun and then gave the money to my buddy who helped sell me the gun. So he could buy a different V. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it's kind of like a circle of life because he's, he like stepped up to really help me. He's like, dude, you're going through some rough stuff. Him and his lady really, really took one for the team and, helped me and i was like hey man you sell this thing you keep the money and you put that money towards that new guitar you want i just don't want it in my life anymore and that was kind of the beginning of getting to realize when i'm safe to be around things have been a lot better now but every day is a struggle with just you never know what's going to trigger you you know i switched the booze mountain dew (laughs) there you go like i was telling chris after our episode last week i was just having a shitty day i just you know, just full of negative thoughts and yep. snowballing those negative thoughts. And I just, we're, I knew we were supposed to record an episode and I just didn't want to do it. And then, I don't know, something just clicked in my head and I started thinking about just talking about metal and, you know, like yep. I knew that I enjoy that. So I figured, yep. I started thinking better thoughts and like, you know, I'm going to talk about metal. Metal makes me feel better. And then just switch things around. My mood got better. I had something to eat. And then we did the episode and I was happy as shit. And then, <laughs> so it's just weird. It's uh, how fucked up the mind can be. It was through no fault of your own, you know, it's just exactly whatever goes on in there. And the thing is, is if we all can realize that it's okay to not always be okay, you don't always have to be happy. You don't always have to be metal a hundred percent. You can have those moments where things get a little dark, then it puts things into perspective of life and kind of, for me, it clears my head and makes me want to do things better. I mean, from the beginning of COVID to now I'm a completely different person. I used to lock myself in my house for weeks at a time doing drugs and alcohol. And now I spend my time waking up, going to the gym, uh, playing guitar for hours, uh, prepping stuff for this uh, new YouTube show, writing music for my band, prepping guitar lessons. I'm a completely different person. And I just took that step of what am I going to have to do to keep me out of an early grave? You know, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's great for you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. And like I said, my route isn't for everyone, but 
if it can help someone, man, you know, something to look into. No, seriously, it's a, it's mm-hmm. an inspiration, man. It's that's a that's a definitely positive way to to look at. I mean, everyone's kind of struggled their own way during the pandemic. Um, you know, I mean, myself, it's been a very uh, isolating and lonely time. I mean, I'm a I'm a, I'm a divorced single dude. My kids are all grown, and uh, literally, it's me and my cats for for <laughs> for ten months. And uh, I actually got to meet uh, a colleague today for lunch, outdoor dining, um, and uh, it was it was fantastic. <laughs> the first time Did you I have went cold out, cuts. Did you eat cold cuts? I did not. Actually, it was crazy. We Being in Minnesota this, and all. It was it was an outdoor outdoor patio. I had no idea what to expect. Right, they had these like heaters like up above in the patio, and you sure. know so it's open all around. But these heaters up above, I mean, they had it set to broil. Right, I mean, it's just bacon, <laughs> and uh, I had to take off my hoodie. <laughs> like it was it was balmy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. No, and that's the thing. It's like everyone deals with this whole isolation thing different me i love being alone these days it gives me time to work on stuff and like focus on things other people not so much so you need to get out and do stuff i mean i think i like my if i don't i work two shifts a week now so i go to work i go to the grocery store i go to the gym that's about it other than that i love being home but that you know so that's Mm -hmm. me other people need to be out and be social i kind of when i turned 40 that kind of all changed (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You know, I like talking to people like this, you know, or discussing things on Facebook or just calling a buddy up and just like catching up for a bit. But uh, yeah, like the whole like going out to the bar and, you know, talking to people that don't give a shit about what I'm doing in life and wasting money or I miss going to shows. Yeah. But like just the whole being social to be social aspects. I don't really miss it that much, to be honest. Yeah, I always thought I, I always thought I was more of an introvert. Like I didn't think it would affect me the way that it did. Um, mm-hmm. until it was, you know, six months and I was kind of like, no, something's up. Like I'm really feeling isolated. Like I got to get out, you know, it's kind of different too, when it's almost forced upon you, yeah. I mean, you don't really have a choice of yeah. just being able to get up and leave. It's like, well, nothing's open. What do I do? <laughs> but so, yeah, I totally get it. I mean, you also get cabin fever, but I'll take my dogs for a walk or something like that. Yep. And, and by, anybody by listening, the- if you're not, anybody listening, if you're not feeling the best mentally if you're it can be hard to talk about but there's so many people out there that have been through it or understand it so just reach out and if you have trouble doing that but you see somebody that does reach out talk to them it's obviously they're able to reach out so they'd be happy to talk to you i'm sure so 100 absolutely take care of yourself well we're, we're coming up on on time i wanted to one i wanted to thank you so much for for yes. taking the time to, to talk to us today. We really do appreciate it. And, uh, and we'll, again, we'll post links to, to your stuff in the show description and in our YouTube playlist. I want to also thank everyone for listening. Please go um, leave us a review. Um, go download your podcast wherever you get your po- wherever you get your podcasts. You can also reach out to us. Again, we want to hear, hear what, you, what you're, you know what you're thinking. Um, the thrash report at gmail.com. You can also reach us on social at uh at thrash report on instagram and twitter um jim anything else that we missed today i'll just add that if you want to be a guest let us know we enjoy talking metal obviously so if you do too don't be shy awesome natanic nice to talk to you man 
thank you guys so much. I had a blast talking with you, and I hope to do it again soon. Let us know, man, anytime. You're welcome back anytime. Perfect. Thank yep, you so we'll much for coming on. Right on. We'll see you next time on the Thrash Report. Yeah.